Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 123. And today we have a conversation that we should have had a long time ago, man. Greg Carter from Go Auto Works, bro. Thank you for being How's here, going? man. Dude. Thank you for having me. We go back, man. Yeah, back to the to the NWP days, I guess. <laughs> right? Dude, yeah. it's crazy, man, because there's not that many people that are still around from like those days, you know? Right. Yeah, a lot of people transitioned out. Good times, but, though, man. Good times. So um, before we get ahead, can you give everybody just a quick intro of who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm Greg. Uh, Greg Carter, the owner and operator of AutoWorks. Go AutoWorks, AutoWorks, Auto Salon. Um, been doing it since 2002, basically. Wow. I've uh, been in this um, building since 2007. So, yeah, I do all the fab- fabrication on a details uh, shop, which is the salon part. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's mostly what I do every day. So how many guys do you have working well, with you? Two part-timers. Okay. They come in. I got, um, you know, one that would help me when I, on the detail side. I have one that helps me on the car side. Gotcha. Doing uh, like engine assembly, uh, prep work and stuff like that. So what are some of the most common things that, that come through your shop? Like I still do primarily... The crazy it is the '92 to 2000 Honda Civic, '94 to 01 Integra. Uh, I've got two '99 uh, 2000 Civics sitting there now for swaps uh, and turbo builds. Nice. So you know, after 20 years of the car being you know done, I still do that basically every day. I still build a lot of kits for the DMB series. You That's think- still my primary bread and butter thing. You think it's still going to go another 20? You know, every January I, I sit and I'll talk to my dad about it and be like, man, I don't know. Is this going to be the year that it stops? You know, because it's getting so old. You know, but I think the B-Series is still the number one platform. Uh, so I don't see it going anywhere. You know, people are still pushing the envelope with it. So it's it'll be here for another 10, I would say, at least. Yeah. Uh, single cams fading off, but and that's not really fading off. It's fading because people are getting cheaper. You know, it's more of an entry-level thing. So everybody's still... You know, buy the five hundred dollar turbo kit kind of crowd is taking over. Yeah, you have a few that want to do it do it the right way, but uh, as far as B series, B series will be around. Yeah, no, definitely, man. How I look at it is, I think that um, how the community is going to go is there's going to be a certain time where we're going to transition over, like uh, hot rods and muscle cars did, where you're going to have manufacturers that are producing OEM parts. And uh, things that have been discontinued, such as like uh, a Jags, a Summit, or something like that. Yeah, and I'm surprised that hasn't happened. I was talking about that the other day, like uh, with like dashboards. You know, the CRX, one of my favorite cars, but it's if you get one now, you go touch the dashboard, you might put a finger hole through it. You know, I'm surprised somebody hasn't 3D printed and mass produced, you know, replacement dashboards. Yeah. You know, same for like a 240SX. You know, they're prone to having cracked dashboards. It's it's getting there for sure, you know. Um, how I see it is, I th- I, ho- I really really hope that somebody from our industry capitalizes on it because all it's going to take is someone from another industry to uh, realize the opportunity here and just start reproducing OEM parts. Right. So, yeah. but uh, here for the long run, man. You're 20 years deep already. Yes. Yeah. Old man status. <laughs> Do you feel old? I do, man. I turned 40. I turned 41 this month. Really? Uh, and I've been doing this for a long time. You know, it's not that it's, you know, wearing me down, but 
you do the same thing over and over and over. You start looking for other things. It just it takes its toll on you. Yeah. But I still enjoy it, so I'll be doing it for a while longer. Yeah, I always try to word it a certain way because I don't want people to think that I'm getting over the the car community or or Hondas or anything like that. But you're right, dude. It's like most people they don't do this every single day like we would do. You know, it's right. it's it's actually our lives. So right. after uh, we we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary, being in it 10 years is like we've seen everything that has been done. And I'm just I need to show my interest in in other things. And that's why I wanted to start the podcast, because at least they can intermingle, you know. Right. Podcast is great. I, I've, I wanted to do one. I've been thinking about doing one. Uh, not that I thought I'd think that'd be great edit, but <laughs> it is another avenue for you to tie other things together yeah i was terrible at it at the beginning man so if i could do it anybody could do it you know what's interesting is when you do it that long the communication gap with age you know it gets harder and harder to relate to somebody that's just, that's just getting into it that's you know 16 17 when you've been doing this longer than you know they've been allowed yeah so it's 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 a it's a it's a hurdle you know, but you still enjoy doing it. I still enjoy doing it. Do you keep any so, young uh, people around you? No. <laughs> I, no. Yeah. No. No I, nephews or anything like that, or not that are into cars. Got you. Know, you. My uh, my wife's got you know younger cousins and stuff like that around here, but I don't have younger family members anywhere around here. Got you. Are Are you from? Well, so right now you're in Montgomery. Alabama, right? Yeah, right. So, is that where you originated from? I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Oh, wow. Uh, my military parents moved here in 80. Mm-hmm. So, I, I grew up here in Montgomery. Got you. Been so, here, you know, the majority of my life. So, what was life like uh, at a early age? It was cool. You know, it was interesting because, you know, like I said, I moved here in 80. I was two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved to, you know, Alabama, nice neighborhood, but we were, it was a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, so I experienced, um, uh, you know, um, a crash course in racism. <laughs> really? That's the best way I put it at an early age. Like my son is eight now, seven now. By the time I was his age, I was very familiar with, you know, the terms, mm-hmm. And what they meant and why they would use them. Whereas him, he's never even heard them. Wow. So you got to block them, you know, from from hearing them. But um, outside of, I mean, not saying that was a, a bad thing. You just you just learn from it. Yeah. You know, part of, part of what makes you is it's like fifty percent DNA, fifty percent the environment that you grow up in. So you just take it depends on how you take it and twist it. But it was cool. I mean, I, I public school loved it. You know, I went to. Uh, preschool through college here in Montgomery. Yeah. Now, and, um, now, what were some of the things that that you ran into? Was it just uh, you know derogatory terms, or did were you treated differently, or not given certain opportunities? Both. As a kid, it was more terms because you're dealing with other kids, and even at that age, I knew that they they were getting this from an older source. Yeah. Like my neighbors, you know, would just say and do certain things, you know, that was just out of line and I could recognize it then. Gotcha. So, but that only, ha- that only lasted till 
because they began to move out. Mm. You know, as more of us would move in, they would move out. Yeah. So that was through fifth or sixth grade. You know, by the time I was in sixth grade, uh, the neighborhood was mostly black. Mm. So, of course, that direct and immediate, you know, in your face type stuff was was gone. Yeah. And I never even talked about it to like my parents or anything because I, I recognized it, knew what it was. Yeah. So it, it wasn't a, a big deal. It's just something that always sticks with you because from there, you know, if you're recognizing it at that age, you'll always recognize it, you know, your whole life. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just part of it. Yeah. So what other things were you into when you were uh, when you were growing up out there? Uh, drawing, which is what I got my degree in. I got an art degree. No way. Uh, yeah. Sick. <laughs> yeah, I graduated in 02 with a degree in art. And um, I was always into making money, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, hustles. It was always my thing from a kid. I mean, I used to teach other kids how to beat Nintendo games. To drawing pictures for money, to cutting grass, wow! To just always staying busy. I like the, I call it the art of the transaction. Something about that always interests me. Yeah. To be able to do something, and get paid for it. So that's that's what I was into when I was younger. I was always to myself. I was I'm the youngest. I have two older brothers, and there's like a five year gap between us. So, I was the youngest. So I was always I was quiet, introverted, kept to myself, but I like to observe and do things. Yeah. So that's, that's basically what it was all through school. I was always a quiet guy that, that could draw. Drawing, dude. Do you still draw to this day? No. No, I'm trying to get back into it, but I stay so busy doing this. It's hard to sit down and really let it, you know, the creative part of you start working again once you shut it down for so long. So at a young age, when did you realize the uh, value of money and the skill that you had to acquire that? The value, um, probably around when I was around 10, I'll say, yeah, about 10 years old, 88, 89, back when the games started coming out. Um, and I would pick up on them and be able to do them quickly, and other kids couldn't. And they'd be willing to, you know, trade something with you or pay you to show you how to do it. Oh, wow. I never um, even thought about that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a good one. My, my mom was always harping on us about not spending all your money. So I had a good idea of saving and spending from, yeah, I can't even remember how when that came in. As soon as I started getting money, yeah. So I've always been a saver, and not a heavy spender of money. I, to this day, I don't I don't like to spend a lot of money. I really? like to make it, you know, but I just don't like to spend a lot of money. Do you think in your in your head that you uh, if you spend it now, then maybe something's gonna happen in the future and you're gonna regret spending it? No, no, not really. I just no. I can't say that. I, I wouldn't regret it uh, because I'm not very impulsive with it. Got you. But I've just, well, like, I spent a long time working in banking, and I would always give people this platform of how to budget your money and do it wisely. And I'll tell them if you can make yourself do this for like a year, you get so accustomed to it and accustomed to having your money split a certain way that you won't even look at what you've had to save and put away. Yeah. And that is like very, I guess, deep into my psyche now. So I just, I put away so much. Okay. That um, I just I don't really think about spending it. But now when I have to go spend it, or if I got to splurge or go on vacation, different story. I do what I want to do. Yeah, you know. But as far as just like reckless spending, it's just not it's just not my thing. Yeah, no, definitely. I I feel the same. The reason I ask that because my older sister, she's more of that. Um, 
I kind of feel that she's kind of afraid that something's going to happen and she's not going to have money. So she, she's very frugal, you know? And then on my side, I just, I just like stacking up and, you know, you checking the amount and just having a certain amount, you know? And I think that's where I find the value add in that. It's a level of freedom you feel when you have it. Right. Yeah. So you like to have that level because you know, if something were to come up, you can take care of it. Or if you really want to go do something, you could go do it. That doesn't mean you'd go do it recklessly. You just know you have the freedom to do it because you have this set aside to do it if you wanted to. Yeah. So you graduated from art school. You got or, yeah, AUM. A- I went you, to Auburn and Montgomery. In okay. So what was your plan at that time in two thousand two? What was you, what picture did you paint in your head to be the next you know ten years for your his or your at, career? At that time, I thought. At, at this age, I would be doing art or design for like a, a advertising company or Marvel Comics mm. or something like that. That would have been my ideal job. But at the same time, in '02, I was becoming the car guy locally. Gotcha. I was the go. I was the go-to guy, you know, for doing everything import-wise. Now, when did that so, passion start? Ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Uh, I remember I graduated high school in 97, and I'd already had a car. Started college in 98, and uh, my best friend, DeMarco, we were both kind of into cars, but in a different way. And I had a, I got a brand new 96 Kia Sophia, terrible car <laughs> at the time. But a magazine, do you remember Sport Compact Car? Yeah. Sport Compact Car was doing a giveaway of one done up lowered had a set of like 17 inch uh inky zokus on it bike rack on the top and demarco showed me the magazine and i was like that's it that's the look i want to do with the car uh-huh. because i down here you know uh chrome rims was always the big thing big wheels chrome polish whatever nobody was really into that style of car but that's what i liked and that's what actually what brought you know more attention to what i was doing because i was always the you know, you're the the one black guy that doesn't like Chrome. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of steamrolled from that. Once I got rid of that car and got into Hondas, it, it all just took off. And that happened in 99. So it, it was like in college, I paid my way through school. So I was able to graduate debt free. But I was able to pay my way through school. I had a job. But every weekend, I was either lowering a car, putting an underglow on, uh, or putting a body kit on, literally every week. Dude, so sick. I, I got known locally for doing that and that's what got me the job in the wheel business and it all just kind of it all just kind of snowballed and it, and it happened real quickly because there's a lot of overlap yeah like if i put everything on a timeline there's a lot of overlap in what i was doing at this particular time but when i graduated college in 02 i was managing a rim shop and still doing my thing on the side mm-hmm. but i was doing it freely because i didn't have any any more classes and I didn't have to pay back any student loans or anything. So it was just, you know, money being made. And that's what I, how I funded basically the business. Wow, dude. So at this time, uh, the import community not being so big in your area, what, what cars were people fixing up? The majority of people, Montgomery was a box Chevy, Bubble Caprice, uh, you know, Regal, Cutlass, Monte Carlo, so like Donk and then style. There were, yeah. And then there were the Honda guys. And um, 
like I, said, I ran the, the the biggest wheel shop, so I would come across all of them. Uh-huh. You know, even before I worked there, I would um I had to deal with them because I would kept going in and buying coilovers. So the one day the owner stopped me. He was like, "Hey, why you know why do you keep coming buying all these?" And I told him what I was doing. He said, "Look, I'll make a deal. I'll sell them to you at a hundred dollars a set." Because I was lowering a car on a Saturday for two fifty mm-hmm. installed. I was paying one fifty for the coilovers and a hundred to put them on. Mm. So he was like, "I'll sell them to you for a hundred dollars a set," and I would get to come up there and use the spring compressor. Mm. So I lived like two blocks away. So every weekend I'd get one in the backyard, jack it up, pull them off, take them up there, you know, use the wall mounted you know compressor, and I, you know, you take them apart in five minutes, go back and put them on, and it was you know, one hundred fifty dollars in like two hours. Down. So that's uh, I went from doing that to um, at the time I was working at the bank <laughs> uh-huh. and I had a conflict of schedule with my classes I needed to take and my bank schedule. And they offered me the job of being an import specialist and just running all the import stuff at this rim shop. So I took that position and um, that's when I started, you know, dealing with more people, dealing with the box Chevys, the Caprices. Lifting, you know, doing gorilla lifts and stuff like that, along with doing the Honda stuff. So you never had any any interest, uh, hobby wise, into like the donk style. No, not really. I like them. I like them when they're done right. Uh, like I like to see a lifted car now. Yeah. Uh, like on a twenty six or twenty eight when it's done right. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like you're seeing a Turbo Civic. You know, you like a Turbo Civic when it's done right. Yeah. But if it's all like just pieced to get, like thrown together, you know, then it's it's not as nice. But I like the donks. I like them a lot. What what body style would you go with? If I had to pick one, I would probably do like a a Grand National. Oddly Ooh. enough, I take a Grand National and put. I still lower it and put a twenty or twenty two on it. Oh, I would okay, put a real gotcha. big wheel on it. I'd rather lower it and let it tuck the tire. Yeah, those those do look good. So even if you put like maybe twenty twos in the back and tub it out. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah. But I, I've I like always. Those. I've always been infatuated with that look, though the uh, the donk look, especially when it started getting popular on this side of the country. You're probably talking about maybe early to mid 2000, somewhere around there. Yeah. Definitely around like yeah. the E40 uh, hyphy movement kind of time, you know. Yeah, you know, and everything out there is like y'all get it sooner, of course, West Coast than we get it here. It's yeah. a trickle down here, so. All you have to do is, I guess, be aware. And that's how we were ahead of the other shops here because, you know, I could see it out there and talk to the owner and get stuff here to make it happen. Like, um, I remember being into painted wheels, the silver wheels and machine face wheels. Nobody down here would get them, but I was, you know, kind of hell-bent on having them. I had a TL lowered on 20s, machine-faced, and everybody loved it. And I got them to get them there. And I was like, dude, y'all got to pay attention to the trends coming in and kind of not stop just buying, you know, the cheapest chrome wheel, but put more money into a different type of wheel. And you can kind of demand that corner of the market and people will come. Mm-hmm. And the painted machine face wheel thing is really just hitting down here probably the past three or four years hmm. as being a, a big thing. But it's been out for, you know, decades. Yeah. Do you so still everything trickles down slow down here? Do you still keep your eye to the to the streets to this day? Not really. Not as much. Um, not as much. Got you. I'm here all the time. So. <laughs> so let's talk about that, man. So you started the business in 2002? 
Yeah. So how did that happen from going from the, the rim shop into you transitioning to your own business? I started while I was at the rim shop. Uh, because I remember at the rim shop, I had my 2000 Civic that uh, turbo and everything. And what happened was people used to always stop me about the car because there wasn't another one like it. I had, you know, 18-inch access touring cups, super low, um, turbo. It was just uncommon. And I remember a guy stopped me somewhere, and, I, and he was like, hey, I like your car. You know, would you want to sell it? And I was like, yeah, I'd sell it if you want to buy it. Not thinking anything of it. Yeah. Well, about six months later, I get a call while I'm at work. And he was like, hey, you may not remember me, but you told me you'd sell me your car. I was like, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you want for? And I'd already paid when I graduated college. Yeah, I told you I paid my way to school. I went ahead a month later. I paid my car over early. Damn. So I didn't have any debt. I didn't. I would. I didn't have a car note or anything. So I said, you know, man, fifteen thousand dollars. I knew the car booked out of like eight or nine. It was turbo and everything. So I told him fifteen, and he was like, okay, well, meet me at the credit union tomorrow. Yeah. I met him. You know, they walked around the car, said, okay, cut me the check. Wow. I went and uh, took that 15. I went and bought a 96 coupe that looked the exact same, black, five-speed. Turboed it, painted it, sold it, made more money off of it. Um, Did that again with a CRX. and And I kept doing it to stack up money to get the business. But I did all this while I was working at the rim shop and I ended up leaving the rim shop to go back into banking. Mm-hmm. And, um, while I, this time when I went back into banking, the name I'd already had it established online, you know, cause my goal with the business was always really to be more of a, a brand than a shop. Gotcha. Right. So I would sit at work while at the bank and just answer emails and be on DSO or NWP answering questions and you know i'd have customers come in to the shop and i'd leave work and come meet them up here to talk to them and then go back to work so i was always on the move trying to make it happen yeah but um yeah that's that's just how i transitioned into it i i had it established but i, I just kept pushing it pushing it, pushing it i used to work like all day on it like i'd go to work from seven to four leave work come to the shop from four thirty to nine o'clock every day you know, trying to make moves to make it happen. Now, at this time, did you have um, a, a family, a girlfriend, wife, anything like that? No, I had. I got married in um, 2010. Okay. And we dated for six or seven years before that. Okay. Um, and it's funny, at one particular time, when I was really trying to find what AutoWorks was going to be, I sold all my cars. And... That's actually when we met. Mm-hmm. Is when I, all I had, I had an Acura SLX, which is a um, like a Zuzu Trooper, but it was Acura. Um, and I met her. I didn't, she didn't know I didn't have any cars. I didn't have like any of my tools at home or anything. But um, I got back into it because I kept, even though I got rid of my cars and tried to find a, you know a better not better path but a different path. Um, people kept coming to me to get work done, so I just kind of fell back into it. And when I came back into it, I said, I want to go ahead and, and try to really make it happen. And that's when I started looking for shops and I had people, you know, want to go in and partner with me. But, you know, when it came time to sign on the dotted line, I was by myself. Yeah. So I went in, you know, by myself and have, have as an owner, been by myself the whole time. 
So let, let's go ahead and talk about that because there's, that's something that I kind of feel uh, passionate about, you know, just uh, me, myself being a, a creative person and, and I, I know you the same. Uh, how have your thoughts changed or if they have from adding somebody to the business, you know, having a partner or anything like that? And what are your thoughts on it? It's hard to add a partner into something that you've already put all the time and work in and established, you know, uh, because you got to look when you add a partner, they have to bring some kind of value to it that you couldn't do yourself. And that's just, it's hard to find, especially when you're doing it for so long. You know, somebody could say, yeah, I can come bring in money, but money is really not going to fix any problem that you may have. Uh, you got to have somebody that wants to come in and put in just as much work to make it grow as you've put in. Yeah. And, you know, that's hard to do. And you don't want to hold hands and have to babysit somebody into doing it. So it's easier to get an employee than it is a partner. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that. I don't know what somebody could tell me to convince me at this point to come in as a partner. When I first started looking for a building and trying to get the idea and doing the logo and all that, you know, people would talk to me about being a partner and everybody had ideas, but nobody would commit to it. It's like you want to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. But when it's time to do it, there was always an excuse not to do it. Yeah. And I just didn't want to have, and it was still part-time for me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even if it didn't work out, you still had your fall, but you still had a job, you know, but I wanted it to work. Yeah. So I was going to do what I had to do to make it work. And, you know, and it's work. And at what point did you become full-time? Man, after I've been doing it part-time for so long, uh, my son was born in 2011 and, at that point, something hit me, and I was like, you know, I don't want to be looking back at this, feeling like I would have, could have, had I done this, had I taken the leap and gone full time. So I was, you know, vested at the bank. I had a good rapport with them, had been there, just quit. Hmm. You know, it was, it was just my time to leave. They offered me more money to stay, a management position to stay. And I just told them, I said, you know, it's if I took the job, I just be taking from somebody else yeah. because it's just, I have to go do, go auto works and make it work. What? And that was it. At this time you have a newborn on the way you're married. What, uh, mm -hmm. what was that conversation like with your wife as far as quitting? You know what? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I can only say as soon as no, he was my son was born. Okay, so he was born in October. I quit in like January. Got you. Um, but I didn't just quit with no plan. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I've been doing this for part time, and I'd been stacking money doing it part time, and doing it part time, I was making just as much as I was making working. So when I quit. I was still making enough money to pay everything I had to pay mm -hmm. based off my months of doing this, you know, on the side. So I knew if I can go in, if I could make it doing it on the side, I could take that same energy and double it during the day and definitely make it work. So I wasn't terribly concerned about not having the funds for it because I knew I'd, I'd hustle it up. I knew I'd make it happen Yeah, because I'd been making it happen all this time on the side, putting in the late hours. I'll just take the daytime hours and do it now and uh, stop coming in late and 
that's what it's been ever since. So when you ended up doing that, how, how did you feel inside? Like that first day when you don't have to clock into the bank and you're at the shop at a decent time instead of eight at night. <laughs> Liberated. Yeah. You know, I, I felt, you know, I didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of tools. I just, but I knew I could do it. I mean, it was like, I felt free. And not that I felt like a prisoner or anything before, but, you know, you're having to go punch somebody's clock, work on somebody's reports. You know, you've got to do this, this, and this, you know, on their schedule. And, you know, I'm, you're more of a, you have the hustle mentality. It's like the two kind of don't mesh very well together. Yeah. And um, when I quit, I remember that same week, I had a guy from Colorado call me saying, hey, I heard you're the guy to talk to about uh, I got a Mini Cooper, like an Austin Mini, like a 60-something Mini, mm-hmm. and I want a turbo it. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, but you're in Colorado. He's like, it's fine, I'll bring it to you. And that week, I get a knock at the door, walk outside, I got a Mini to build. With a, it had a Type R motor swapped into it already with the flip-up front end. And um, I was like, you know, this this is it. I quit. I walk into a build that I have no experience on. I mean, B-Series, yes, but doing a Mini never seen one yeah but i did that build and um took me a few months he loved it and it just kept kept going yeah hell so yeah. i mean the, the freedom of of doing it and doing your own thing is is something you can't even you know put an accurate word on yeah that's why i like to have these kind of conversations because your story is so similar to mine and to so many other people's that have that same mentality and it, it's 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 not something that I can explain, like a feeling that you can explain to somebody. It's just because I, w- I grew up working. I grew up working for somebody, and my mentality for the longest time was, that's what I'm going to have to do. This is life because I've never seen anything before that. But when right. I decided to, like from a hustler standpoint, if you just look at it, just on your side, yo, I'm making this much at the bank. But then after work, I'm making this much and it's the same amount. Why don't I just do my own thing so I don't have to answer? It's like so simple to me, you know, and it makes so much sense. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute. Now, son, you, you listening right now, I'm going to tell you something. Your life is in shambles. One of the reasons is, is the way you present yourself, son. That t-shirt you got on right now with the stains and the bacon neck, that is not going to bring the honeys home. You look terrible. I'm not talking about your disfigurement. That's something only the good Lord could help you with. But what I can help you with is going to downstory.com. Go to that web page on the World Wide Web and just search DTWD. Yeah, search that and you could get some of the official downtown with downstop merch. Maybe move out the basement so me and your mama could do the dick ball dance like we used to do 27 years ago when you wasn't around. Now I'm gonna go upstairs and get me a pot pie. You can get back to your little podcast. Right, it, it, it does. And you know, I remember I had a, a talk with my dad. I was like, you know, one of the biggest mistakes. Like, when I was 14, my hustle for that summer was cutting grass. You know, me and my best friend, Ray, at the time, you know, rest in peace to him. He, We'd get up on a Saturday, go cut grass, you know, at 14, and make 50 to $60 a day 
each mm-hmm. in one day. And then after that, I would cut hair. So I'd make like $100 in a day. Oh, shit. But when I got to high school, you know, the cool thing was to have a job and a name tag and all that type of shit. Ah. You know, so I stopped doing that. And I, and I got a job to where I'd work all week, you know, these odd hours. And I wouldn't even make $100. Mm. And I was like, but I didn't know at that time that I didn't know how to run a business. Or, you know, if you're young, you don't know that, you know, you were on the right path. But you kind of went with what the crowd was doing. And that didn't, not necessarily the best thing to do. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got those little part-time jobs. But I could have made way more money just doing my own thing had I had someone to say, hey, focus on this. And nobody was there to tell me that. Because, yeah. you know. At that time, the programming is, you know, go to school, go to college, get a job, stay a job, you know, retire. And that's not, I, I see it completely different now. Do you feel like you changed the trajectory of your bloodline with that that decision? Yes. Yeah. I, I thought that uh, when my son was like four. Because <laughs> he came to me and he said, are you the boss at work? I said, yes, but I didn't know that you didn't know that. And he seemed genuinely excited about that. Hmm. And I said, okay, this, you can, you, if you want a shop, you can have a shop. You know, if you want to do whatever you want to do, you want to make videos, you can do it on your own and have your own business. And he wants to have his own business doing whatever it is he wants to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, you, you change, you know, the trajectory somehow. Um, just by doing and them observing. Yeah, definitely, man. And I think not only not only with your uh, your immediate family, but you know people that have seen your growth. You know, people that you you come in contact with. Uh, it's just it, it's infectious. You know, for somebody to just to just see somebody like, oh, I used to work with Greg at the tire place or at the rim shop and now he's doing his own thing you know then that gives them a a, a spark in themselves like man maybe if he could do it i can do it yeah that's what you want and it, and it goes both ways you get some that look at it in a positive note and some that you know hate on it yeah you know because you're doing subconsciously you're doing what they wanted to do yeah but they aren't willing to take the jump to do it so but anytime i can take it and make a positive you know impact or give positive advice to somebody to do the same thing, I'll take advantage of it and do it because I like to see people win. Yeah. There's no no point in trying to hinder somebody by not giving the information. You're not going to lose anything. So you may as well take what you've learned and give it to them in a way that they can apply it to what they want to do. Now, do you ever experience any negativity in the community towards, uh, towards your brand? No, not anymore. No, I can't say I do. You know, I, um, it's all good now. I, it's. I've never seen no, anything. I, because I've always been the same guy. I've always stood behind what I've done. I've never changed the name. Yeah. Never, you know, left somebody hanging. I've never owed anybody any money. I, I've always come through with what I was supposed to do. You know, so I've never really had any negative major things happen you gotcha. know of course you get somebody have some shit break or something like that but what you do is you do as you can to fix it yeah you know and if you do that then you're good yeah 
And I, I could definitely attest to that. Ever since I met you, uh, I think we were trying to think of the date the other day, possibly 2011, maybe even 2010. Um, it, was, uh, it may have was like 11 or 12. I know it was the Import Alliance yeah. in Atlanta because I did the booth with Skunk too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't remember what year it was. Got you. Yeah, um, I remember your, the earliest memory I have of you in the business was a feature that you had in S3, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, my own personal car in S3 was the was the second feature I ever had. Uh-huh. Uh, but that was the first one for my own personal vehicle. So um, what, what was that like to, to, to get that feature? To see my own was great. Uh, you know, it was interesting because that the first feature was a kit I did for Soto. Mm-hmm. But that went super south, you know. So when that happened, I said, I want to get a feature done and I'm going to make sure it goes how I want it to go. And that's when I did the S3 feature. And I made sure, you know, my logos and all that were where I wanted them to be. And that same year, I did S3. I did like a, a calendar, and I did another online feature, all with the same car. Mm. So, but it was to to see a feature. It was um, it was great because what you always want to do. Everybody wants to see their their car in, in print, you know. And um, after that, I I got my S2000 done, and it was done in 2012. Yeah. Which was was a feature I wasn't expecting. I reached out to Rogers. And I told him about the car. And I told him, you know, it wasn't the, you know, big wing, hella flush, all the shit you're used to seeing. I really do my cars my particular way, you know, low key, clean. Because, you know, your car is kind of an extension of you. Yeah. And uh, he was like, yeah, let's do it. So I got the Honda tuning feature in 2012. I think uh, Big Michael's on the cover. I know he was. Oh, but, um, got you, got you. Yeah. I- but, yeah, no, the features are, are they're like. They're like plaques. I mean, I got plaques for them, but they're yeah. like, you know, you get a, if you're an artist, you put gold records on the wall. Yeah. You know, your features, you, you hang features on the wall. Same thing. It's like a resume when people walk in. Yeah. So let's take it back maybe when, uh, when we first met till now, what are some of the things that you've noticed, um, changes in the community, uh, positive and negative? Positive people still, um, are willing to put good money into, you know, a Civic or an Integra of that year to make it what they want to make it, you know, um, meaning they won't cheap out. You know, if they know they want to make, you know, X amount of horsepower, keep AC, keep power steering, have it clean, some of them are willing to spend what it takes to do it and do it properly. You know, whereas the negative side is there's a big group that wants to buy the cheapest of the cheap, doesn't matter if it's a knockoff, doesn't matter if it hurts the business, and they throw it together and then want to sell it for, you know, premium dollar. Yeah. Which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the biggest thing. You know, people doing it the right way is what makes, you know, the business fun. Because I do a lot of street cars. Mm-hmm. I don't even try to focus on the drag car stuff anymore. Like when I first did the D-Series, the big thing was, you know, I went 10s in it mm-hmm. back when going 10s was like super fast. So, but once I broke the transmission of that car and parted it out, I focused on the streetcar stuff because, in my opinion, the streetcars is what actually makes the business thrive and go around. 
Yeah. So I, I kind of focus on that, but people seem to think that since they don't see you on the track or, you know, your name, you know, at World Cup or something like that, that you're not doing anything. Yeah. Like, no, dude, I stay busy all the time. That's just not the market I even try to cater to. Yeah. I try to cater to the guys that want to make 500 horsepower and drive the car to work. Well, let's let's go ahead and talk about that. How do you uh, how do you market yourself? How do you get people to to find out about the brand? Um, and how important is say s- social media uh, activity to to the su- to the success of the brand? It's still super organic, you know. By that I mean word of mouth still uh, does a lot because you stand behind what you do, and when you do that, happy customers tell other people. Uh, social media has obviously helped a lot. Social media has become a thing where it's a must-have. Yeah, you know, you've got to have it. I remember um, I wasn't on Instagram; I was only on Facebook. And <laughs> Mike G <laughs> sent me a text. He was like, "Hey man, you should check this thing out." Yeah, called Instagram, and I looked. At it, I was like, "Dude, there's people looking at food all day." <laughs> yeah, but he was like, "Yeah, man, but there's <laughs> there's shops and all that." So I signed up for it, and I've and I've been on it since. But he actually introduced me to it. Um, Shout out to Mike G. Yeah, cool guy. He, he restored, you know, faith in the West Coast for me at a time. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. I, I was, I was done with California as a as a state. Why is like that? A year. Like I said, the first feature I had uh, that didn't go accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, it just put it, man. It put, it put such a bad taste in my mouth. Hmm. Uh, because. Everybody out there knew him, mm-hmm. and I was like, "If you know this, if you know him, then you must be like him." Yeah. And I was just at the time I was just done with it. Ah. So talking to Mike and I, you know, I helped him out on his car. He got the feature and he did. He said he was going to do. And I was like, "Okay, maybe it was just a one-time thing." And plus, that one time was my first big opportunity to have a cover car, mm. not just a feature, but it was. He told me this is going to be a cover car when it's done. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. Uh, but everything other than that was not good. And, so, and so you're talking maybe signage mentioning and, and things like that? But the signage wasn't there. Uh, even though I sent all the stuff for the signage. <sighs> he put another company's name on the car because they promised some stuff after the feature. So when you see the company, when you see the, the, um, issue, and you look at the car, you would think it was a Peak Boost kit because that's whose name's on the car. This was the Integra. But this is the Integra. Got you. But if you look at the inside, it's it's all my stuff. <sighs> and then in the mentions, which was a pet peeve of mine, they abbreviated my name, which I always tell people, I don't care what you say, positive, negative, spell my name right. <laughs> because if people are going to go look for it, they'll find it. But they didn't put my whole name in there. And I was like, it's just, it's just not good. The whole situation just rubbed me the wrong way. Plus, he owed me money at the time. Yeah. But it, I'm not even mad about it. It's funny. I'm I'm happy for him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, because he took he took the opportunity and ran, started his business, ran with it. And uh, he sent me a message three or four years later mm. on Facebook. And uh apologized. We chopped it up. And so I, I don't feel bad about it, you know, or I'm not. I don't feel any kind of way about it no. at all. I like, like, I like to see, see people win. He's winning at what he's doing, but at the same time, you know, 
I can't, you know, I just, you can't really get down with him in yeah. a certain way. We never, we never met in person. Mm. Uh, I just know that everything that was supposed to be done on my end was done. Yeah. Everything you said you were going to do, none of it was done. And, you know, that just put a bad taste in my mouth as a whole for Cali cars and that scene. Because like I said, this is back in the NWP days. It wasn't even like on Facebook. Yeah. It was super old. <laughs> so, and even the whole idea of the car was like, hey, he told me the car's got to look better than Hey Mikey. And I'll never forget that because I was like, what the hell is, what is Hey Mikey? <laughs> I had to go Google it. And when yeah. I Googled it, I was like, oh, red integrity, you know, chrome and gold. Ah, shit. I, yeah, no problem. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so oh, it was all good at first. And then it just went, once the product got in hand, it just, you know, went What's south? I feel you, dude. And, and the the unfortunate thing about this industry is how small it really is, you know. So, yeah, word of mouth spreads whether negative or positive. It spreads fast, and um, I mean, everybody everybody changes, everybody progresses, and and they end up becoming a, a different person. But it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to let go of those old ideas, you know. Not saying that you're holding on to anything, but even in my case, when I look at certain people, like I still, I, I I'm still very weary of doing anything with them because of you know past experiences, not only yeah. with me or with people that have told me things. Right. You got to learn from your experiences, and it's just like I said, I'm no ill will about it at this point you know we're both much older yeah uh, it's been 10 years you know he does his thing i do my thing you just hate it happen that way and you hate that you gotta look at it a certain way you know if we if we cross paths right now that's gonna be the first thing we gotta talk about yeah and even though we've sent a message before but hey we're face to face you know man to man let's chop this up and be done with it yeah and it's all good but we, that opportunity will probably never come yeah you got to make it out here more, dude. Do you ever yeah. feel like that you you want to be more in the community, or are you happy with the lane that you're I do. in? You know, I've made it a, a goal to get back out because I used to do a lot of races, a lot of shows back when I used to come. We travel the southeast, and I go to all these events. And the past seven or eight years, I haven't done any of them. Yeah, you know, and I want to do more. Like I said, I got invited out to take my car to. Um, Formula D in Atlanta, park in the Terminatics booth. But the problem was, Formula D Atlanta was on the same weekend as my daughter's birthday. Ah, got you, got you. She turned four, and I was like, I can't go. You know, so. I think I think Formula D. Well, I'm not sure. What do What do you feel like your your biggest demographic is? Is it still the Honda community? It's still the Honda community. Got you. But the thing there was, it was like I said, Terminatics invited me. Yeah. To go and, you know, you sit there and have your car in the booth and you talk to people, kind of like I did with the Skunk 2 booth. Uh, but I can go to any, if we're going to talk about turbos and applications, I can go to, a, you know, yeah. any event and do it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm definitely going to plant this seed in you. I would recommend that you check out an H Day uh, 2020 and uh, Eibach Meet 2020. Um, H Day I like to Meet. Yeah, uh, H-Day is, they're having three events. One is still unreleased, so I'm not sure where the third one's going to be at. It's going to be Maryland and New Hampshire. And then the Eibach meet, the, I, I would, dude, I would really recommend you come into the California one. Uh, it just released the dates. I believe it's the 
later part of April, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then um, he's, he's switching up the schedule this year, so I'm not sure which cities we're going to hit, man. But I would love to see you at, a, at one of those events for sure. I'm going to have to do that. I was just telling Reggie at TurboNax the other day, I, I've got to get back to getting out. Yeah. And I think the big part is I've had my car down so long, and I feel like I don't want to go out if I can't take a car with me. Yeah. Which I, I could probably work something out, you know, in a different way or have a car, you know, meet me there. That's but, what uh, I do all the time, man. If I don't have a if I don't have a car that I'm going to be taking out there, I'll just reach out to somebody that I, a customer that I know in the area and say, hey, man, you want to have a booth or have your car in the booth? And they're they're always willing to, you know, that's I, no matter here. I feel like it would be the same with you, man. Even if you come out to California, you know, come out here. What I usually do, do you have a canopy set up? Yeah. So what I usually do, I take the top of the canopy, I'll put in my suitcase, and then, you know, just, just work out the logistics with maybe a friend that you would have in town or shit. Even go to Walmart. We go to Walmart, buy rent a tent from them, put your top on it, put it up, <laughs> and when you're done with it, return it. You know, same thing with the table. And then you come out here, yeah. maybe you just, you could ship out uh, a couple things, you know, intercoolers or something, uh, a manifold, just, just so people get an idea of your work and you're not actually selling anything right there. You're just making it known because there's a lot of people in the community who miss the NWP days, who, who aren't really, um, that savvy in who are the people that have been around for years and years they just see what's ever on instagram whoever's at the events or anything like that and uh dude i think that would be a big opportunity for sure i'm gonna have to do that you know like i say there are you, you it's surprising the amount of people that reach out uh and think you're new yeah <laughs> or, that, or that that you haven't done it and i was like man you know I don't think there's a question you can ask me that hasn't been asked a hundred times. If you're about to talk about a D or B series, trust me, somebody's asked me before. And so yeah. I got an answer for you. Yeah. You know, kind of funny. Um, I, I ordered, you sent me that uh, Skyline bolt kit. Yeah. When I did the R32. And he was like, he'd never heard of you. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> he mentioned some other company. I was like, but how, do you, have, how have you heard of them? But you've never heard of like Downstar. It's like the original bolt guy. Yeah. It was like, I just never heard of him. I said, I, I get it because yeah. people have never heard of me. And I do the same thing over and over for the past, I don't know, 12, 15 years. You know, and, so, I, and, and I love that because when I go to shows and say I'll go to some show that I usually don't go to, maybe a spectator or what have you. And I walk around and I see some cars that don't have Downstar or maybe a majority that don't. In my head as a hustler, that clicks in like, all right, cool. The market's not even tapped at all. You know, as right. as much as business as we think we have right now, if I go to a show and not everybody has something from us, then that means that there's more opportunity. And then that right. means that we're just going to keep going. What made you focus on next i like so i remember from the nwp and i remember thinking man this guy sells bolts that's <laughs> that's that's it that that is that is as you know simple to manage as can be but what what made you focus on that well it, because it came it started out as something that some people had on their cars yeah it's turned into a staple you have to have this yeah 
It was it was that when I got my right hand drive in 2009, I was on the forums every day, you know, showing the wire tucking I'm doing, showing the sanding and this and finally get the car put back together. And I want to have new hardware for it. But the stuff that people were using is like our version one hardware. And uh, I reached out to some people and they either didn't answer my PM or didn't give me, oh, I got it from a friend or something like that. So I'm just thinking like, man, it can't be that hard to figure this out. So I just went to a hardware store and said, hey, I have this bolt. Do you have anything that would look nicer? So then they brought some examples. I'm like, dude, that's it. Let me get that. So I put on my build thread and then I have people asking me just like I was asking. Because you remember NWP, dude, you see something you're like, oh, dude, everything was new. Battery tucking was new, you know, ground kits, every single thing was new. So when I put it up on my uh, on my build thread, people would ask me and then just the hustler kicked in, you know, just like when someone, how'd you beat the boss on the video game? Just clicked in. I say, hey, build, build threads back then were a very important thing. I remember working at the rim shop and I got a call, picked up my cell phone and it was Greg. This guy's name is uh, Greg. He was the manager at Innovative Mounts. Oh, okay. And he was like, hey, I see you have our traction bar, and you're in need of the front torque mount that connects to the motor. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, but y'all didn't have it. Well, we've got one now. Do you want it? Yeah. Yeah. He said, okay, send me your address, and I'll send you some information. Four days later, got in the mail, and that's what got me on it. From that day on, I was diehard pushing it and selling, became an innovative dealer. Mm-hmm. from that one conversation that was stemmed from <laughs> a build thread on Honda Tech. Yeah. So, yeah, the build threads are uh, a missing link, you know. Definitely. Now, now everything is on that 48-hour social media kick. Yeah. Where, you know, if you don't catch it in two days, it's it's gone, and then somebody's going to ask the same question two days later. You know, that's you know, funny that you say that about – sorry to cut you off, bro. Uh, it's yeah, funny yeah. that you say that about uh, Innovative reaching out to you because it's just – even the same thing with us. You know, um, we just met personally that one time, and that's it. But it's those small interactions that you don't think at that time that they could turn into anything. But, you know, almost 10 years later, we're, we still have a great relationship because of – that first that first introduction and i could i could think of so many times where if i would have handled that interaction differently if i would have been a different type of person if i would have brushed somebody off because they didn't have a, a nice car or followers or anything like that 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 would definitely hinder our growth for sure yeah you got to be personable and i think one thing that works is when you're talking to somebody and they realize you know you don't have the big ego you're in the same boat they're in, and you're relatable. And that's, like I said, when I was at I, not I, uh, Import Alliance that one time, I sat at the booth and I talked to people, and you take pictures with people, which is really weird. And <laughs> and you, when they see that you're relatable, it just it makes everything easier. The the uh, the intensity goes down. Yeah. And you can talk, you can walk through things, and you, you end up getting calls and stuff after that. Because, like I said, when I go to a show, I'm not really there to sell. I'm because I don't I don't bring like you know product with me to sell. I'm there to introduce, help, and get future business. Yeah. So you know you I leave a show making zero dollars, but I've talked to you know 200 people about their bills that will probably call me. Mm-hmm. But all that is you know handling that person the right way that time, and then you may have a customer for life instead of brushing them off. Like like at that show, 
I got brushed off so many times from people that I talked to in the business uh, that own businesses. Really? It's like you go up to introduce yourself and it's like, you know, they don't have time to stop to shake a hand or something like that. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's this isn't for me. You yeah. Because <laughs> it goes different down here. You don't, it's, it's, it's disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, but no, but no, when we spoke, it was all good. And, you know, and it's all good now. Yeah. So that two minutes of, you know, interaction, you know, last 10 years. Yeah. Whereas the ones that wouldn't stop to, you know, to take a minute, then, you know, it's, you look at, look at it as their loss. I haven't talked to any of them. Yeah. Since then. That's wild, man, dude. And that's, that's such a, um, a misfortune on their end, you know, because, uh, I, I have that happen to me days. I'll go to an event and maybe I don't have a hat or a shirt on or something. And I'm just, I'll, I'll walk by. And with me, if, if you've ever seen Downstar at a, at a show, if anybody passes in front of the booth, I'm greeting everybody, even if they're not looking. If they're walking, not look, hey, what's up, man? How are you? And they're oh, hey, what's up? And that's it. Because I, I learned that when I worked at Best Buy. Anybody that comes within 10 feet of you, you have to greet them. So I'll go to these shows and I'll walk by the booth and I'll just, I, I, I always observe things, you know, because in my mind, I have an idea of this company and what this company represents in the community. So I'll stop by and check out stuff and dudes are just sitting there. They won't even acknowledge me, say anything or whatever. And then it, there's it, there's been instances where they they would notice me or somebody else would notice me and their whole demeanor changes and I'm like nah that that's a sign that's a sign that that's the kind of person you are that I'm right. not gonna fuck with that because right. you know the the general enthusiast dude they're taking time out of their day out of their weekend to go to these events maybe they don't make that much money maybe they make 10 bucks an hour they're taking their girl they're paying for gas they're paying for lunch maybe they got a hotel you know i'm trying to give them the best experience as possible i feel right. like the vendors and the the people who run the events it's all of your job collectively to make the experience great for the entire show because right. if not like no one's gonna come. No one's gonna come yeah, to this event anymore. The guys that run IA, they I think they went out of their way uh, to make sure everybody was cool. Yeah. Which I see, you know, going to the events, you notice that they're going out of their way to do it because I've done other events where you know the people that throw it don't care. Yeah. You know, but um, Don. Yeah, Don. Don. Yeah. 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 They came by and checked. You know, they check on you. You know, several times during the event to make sure you got everything you need and all that. So yeah, they they put on. A good show and yeah. you can tell they care about the outcome of the show it's not just a, a money grab yeah no definitely man and um i i hope that people are listening now they take that into consideration if they are trying to start their brand or even if they are brand owners now uh you need to realize that these people they're not a dollar sign they are uh your supporters and without them right you're nothing yeah, you, won't, you won't you won't have a business without the supporters so you got to treat them the way you'd want to be treated you know um, some of them make them hard, make it hard to do that, but you still gotta at least put in the effort to. Yeah. So for people that are maybe trying to start their own business or they do have their own business, uh, let let's kind of touch on things that you've learned in, since you started back in O two till now. What are some of those things in hindsight that you look back at and maybe 
do differently, focus more on, or things that you're working on to this day? Scheduling is probably, I think, the biggest key, you know, being able to come in and lay out your day so that you're not like on a hamster wheel, just working, working, working. And then at the end of the day, you really have completed one thing. You've worked on 10 things that are only 10% done. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to say, hey, I'm going to go in today and finish this, this, and this. And just do that and leave it alone, understanding that it's okay to not finish everything in one day. Yeah. You know, so I come in, I say, I got to finish these two kits and I'll do other shit in between, but I've got to get these two done, you know, and I I get to work super early. Mm -hmm. So I come in 630 and I'm at. So that's probably the, the one of the major things. I mean, that and money management and learning to build and keep relationships, you know, or call it credit. Yeah. You know, um. It's, it's all major. You gotta, you gotta treat people right, and that's just not just customers, but other businesses. You know, because you know a business will burn another business in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. uh, and you try not to be on either end of that stick. So it's just doing people right, schedule right, manage your money, and um, keep pushing forward and focus on what you're good at, not on what you're bad at. And focus on you, especially now with social media. You have to focus on what you're doing and don't get jaded by what you think some other similar business is doing because, you know, social media shows you what they want you to see. Yeah. They have the same struggle you're having. You just don't see it. So you're looking at that glimpse they're giving you thinking that it's all gravy. And that's not really the case. You know, so you got to kind of focus on you and make sure you're on the right track and understand that it takes time and as long as you keep grinding and doing right, doing what you know is right, it'll come. It's not overnight. It takes time. You know, like I said, we've been doing this you know, 20 years. It, it still it just still takes time. It's still growing. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not that I've made it, but I'm still on the way to where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have uh, things that you want to work on, say, come 2020? 2020, I mean, it's I want to work on more... <laughs> unrelated things i want to talk to more kids mm. like i go talk to at, uh, at a not a trade school but it's like a program at montgomery public schools where they have a welding and fabrication department and um i like to go talk to them to kind of show them hey you got that you have somebody that has come from the same background as you that has made it in this business um because you know representation matters so I like to go talk to them and kind of just encourage them to take advantage of the opportunity they have to try to make it, you know, not out the gutter, but Montgomery is a rough place, especially if you're like 18 to 25. Oh, really? Oh, man, yes. Mm. So you want to try to show them that there are other options or avenues you can pursue to, to be great at. And especially now that they have the opportunity to have these tools in front of them to learn at an earlier age. Like, I wish I had the tools they have. But don't overlook this opportunity that you have. So I want to do more of that. I want to do more, you know, when you're in business or when you do anything for a long time, there's other ventures you want to get into. Like, you know, like I said, I mentioned the podcast. Yeah. You know, real estate, you know, just other things to keep you occupied without getting, you know, burnt out on doing the same thing every day. 
yeah if you want to start the podcast man dude just let me know I'll, i'll let you know the equipment to get how to set it up and everything and it's just the thing about podcasting and growing growing your your fan base and the listeners and things like that one is consistency and two is is honesty you know um talking about things that people don't talk about you know i i rarely talk about the quote-unquote highlight reel of social media you know i don't really put out the the things that we've accomplished or the things that we're able to buy or material things or anything like that i'd rather highlight the the struggles that we've had to overcome because that's personally where i see the value at right you know when yeah, some, something everybody can take with them right definitely no matter what what what's level they are in life hopefully somebody can take something from the conversation um and apply it to their own life you know right. so i i would definitely encourage that man and, and podcasting right now like you were saying with the the rim shop that they were uh they were sleeping on you know doing the 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 colored wheels uh, i think people are sleeping on podcasting right now because a lot of my other interests are outside of the automotive community and if you're in say like the um the the hip-hop community um like that culture there's so many things that are going on in that culture that i'm implementing in the automotive community and it's like dude we're gonna be light years ahead of anything that anybody else is doing just because people are stuck in their in their ways you know right so it's just it's just about grabbing from all your uh, um all your other uh hobbies so what are some of the other things that you're into now besides like cars eating <laughs> eating uh, what kind of, let's let's talk about that what kind of food what, what are you into i like i mean i like a lot of stuff you know i cut i cut pork out and i cut dairy out to like my dad mm-hmm. but just i just like food i mean i like spicy food you know something i slept on forever my wife introduced this to me. My kids like it. Is sushi? Ooh, yeah. Uh, I like California. We had, they had a California roll last night and like spicy Thai food. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to eat good food that doesn't weigh you down. Yeah, you know. So, but outside of that, I mean, I like to just lay low. I'm a real, I guess, homebody. Um, I like to go take trips, but take trips not on hectic schedule where we got to do you know some tight itinerary yeah i like to just if i gotta go somewhere i don't want to have to do anything yeah you know i like to relax so uh that's just my escape uh and i want to get back to doing art yeah uh, i bought a big art table for my office at home that i have yet to use um but yeah i want to do that i want to get rid of my comic book collection i used to collect comic books oh really you know i've still got a huge collection at home uh that I pull out about once every 10 years to look at. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's this collection that came out called, uh, they're like hip hop variant covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they had, they took like a bunch of album covers, like a Nas cover or whatnot. And they converted them to other like Spider-Man covers. Oh, wow. So started collecting these. And there's like, say 160 of them. And I've got like 90 uh-huh. and they're really super hard to find, you know, and I want to get back into doing stuff like that stuff. That's very unstressful. Yeah, you know it's low key accomplishments. Um, I used to collect cars, collect basketball cars. I used to sell those in school. I still got my basketball car collections that I, you know, put together by hand. Yeah, you know, I figured at some point I'd sell them, but um, 
just get into stuff like that. Stuff that's just like, you know, it's stress free. It's easy. Now, now you you mentioned stress. How big of stress plays a part in your uh, daily life, and what do you do to combat it? I had to learn to not take everything as personal. You know, you mentioned earlier about stuff getting said. You know, and it used to be if somebody would say something, you'd immediately want to fire back at them. And I had to learn to, you know, don't reply yeah. immediately. Uh, don't take it as personal, even though, you know, you've built it all yourself. So you have to take it personal on some level, but not to a, a, a lose sleep level anymore like I used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try to manage the stress by coming in earlier earlier like i get here at like 6 30 in the morning but i leave i'm dead set i leave by four o'clock i don't stay late hardly ever anymore i used to you know i'd have to get it done i stay late i work 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 yeah now i just managing that time is a big part of relieving the stress and just knowing that when i walk out it's done you know i may answer a few emails you know from home but that whole work 24 7 thing trying to make sure i get every cell and answer every question immediately i just don't do it anymore because it's non-stop yeah and you'll never it's like you never leave yeah so that's the that's the biggest part of managing stress is managing the time and the time that you are on and the time that you're off now was that turn off was there a certain um the a certain incident a certain time or something where it just clicked in your head and made you realize that stress was too big of a factor and you have to do something to to change it or was it a gradual thing when anxiety started bothering me again uh which is probably eight or nine years ago and i would it was get to a point where i lose sleep mm-hmm. you know or you physically feel sick and you and you weren't sick you can go into the doctor and be like i know something's wrong with me and they're like nothing's wrong with you uh you know you just have to control your stress to I mean, for your own sake, you know, because business is going to be business. Money is going to come and money is going to go. There's only one you. So don't get too stressed out about it. Yeah. You know, I had a, I had a big deal. Like I run, I run a detail shop and um, this just happened last in October. Mm-hmm. I ran this account for five years to where, I mean, it was, I ran it for the bank they used to work for. Like I did all the repos that they got ran through my shop. So I stayed busy on the detail side of things to where I eventually hired somebody to do all the cars for me. I just had to manage it. Yeah. And then last month, they outsourced that department in the bank, which means it cut a huge part out of that business for me. You know, and for a few days, you know, you panic because it's a massive amount of profit labor that you lose. You know, you have no money tied up in it. It's just money coming in, coming in, which gives you a certain amount of freedom when it comes to running a business because you know this check is going to always be there and then all of a sudden you get an email checks not coming that could put you into a certain place mentally because you're like damn what am i going to do now that i'm missing you know x thousands of dollars a month that i've gotten very used to coming for the past five years you know but you just have to sit back and it's going to be okay it's still going to come i still i'm still greg i still grind the same way and my other businesses will still do fine. Don't let it stress you out. Yeah. Just focus on what you are good at and focus on what you've been doing and it all play out and work out. And that's what it's done. You know, it bothered me for about two days and that's it. I just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you take anything for anxiety or is it just, you, you just deal no. with it? 
No. Uh, when at first, when I had a, I had a panic attack mm-hmm. uh, in 2011, and they prescribed me Klonopin, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the worst shit ever. Uh, it calms you down so much to where you're almost like a zombie. Mm. Um, and I took it. I was supposed to take two a day. I take one, and I could just tell this this ain't it. This I, nothing bothers you. Yeah. <laughs> And I'd walk around and people would be like, what's wrong? I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong? So you don't look yourself. Well, I can't tell. That I don't, don't look myself. If I can't tell, that means I'm not in control. Yeah. Uh, so I, I weeded myself off of it in like a week. And even when I went back to the doctor, they were like, hey, I see you had clonopin. Do you want some more? It's like, no, I don't want any, I don't want any more. I'm, I'd rather figure it out myself, change my diet or, or do whatever to not take medicine. Yeah. Uh, so no, I don't, I don't take anything forward. I just figure it out. You know, walk, you, you, you have your talks with God, you change your, your day, how you start your day, how you end your day, change your routine at work to lower the stress and allow yourself to think more. You know, you got to be in control of your own thoughts. Uh, I'm not a smoker. I'm not a drinker. Uh, I just started drinking wine like two or three years ago. Oh, nice. I never, I never been into like beer i never drink alcohol really yeah so i like to be in full control of what's going on definitely and i always felt like if i got into those things i wouldn't be in full control yeah i uh i stopped drinking back in 2010 but um you know smoking at nighttime really helps like shut down and helps me stop thinking about you know work and things i have to do but still like the same thing like you're saying man i don't want to have to rely on that every single night you know and right. um the the thing that i've been doing lately that's really helped me out with uh you know the brand eat sleep race yeah um brian uh shout out to brian he's one of my good buddies he actually put me on to uh cbd drops just because we've had like these same type of conversations and he tells me do you got to try it out so when he he told me about it um I went that day, went and got some, and I just noticed, like, it's helped out so much, man. It's helped take off the edge. It's helped me, like, deal with situations better. It's helped bring, like, my fuse not as short as it would be before. And, dude, I keep that I keep that in my wallet, my CBD, my phone, my keys. Let's go. You know, if I don't have either of those things, I'm not ready to leave the house. I got you. Yes, I've seen the CBD thing has popped up here lately where there's all kind of shops that sell it. Yeah. And I've been wanting to get put on my schedule to look into this because I've heard good things about it. Uh, I've just obviously never tried it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I need to look into it. You should, man. I actually have a good buddy named Boone. He's uh, starting a company called Saint and Center. Uh, it's a CBD oils and uh, he's actually out of Atlanta. And um, I... I, I believe in it so much, man, is I just bought 10 bottles and I'm going to give them to people for Christmas because I'm like, dude, this is going to change your life more than, uh, you know, a T-shirt or uh, socks will or something, you know? Right. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's hard, man. And I think that a lot of business owners, they feel the same way, but just the same thing is like, you just got to deal with it. It's, there's it's nobody, yeah, there's nobody that you can really complain to or you know tell your troubles to because for me you know when i'll tell somebody you know oh man we got like right now we have so much orders to do 
But they're like, well, you just made so much money. I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not the thing. The thing is like I'm stressed out. It's it's hard for other people who don't who haven't been in that position to right. understand. And we talked about that the other day when you were telling about yeah, your past. Like that that part is the money part is you. I look at it and it's always been this way. And this is why you never see anything bad come up. I don't look at it as being my money until the part has shipped. Yep. So it's just, yes, money has changed hands, but it's really left your hand and it's like sitting here. Yeah. It's not really in my hand yet. It's not in my hand until I print that tracking label, that tracking number, I send it to you. And then I call it mine. Yeah. You know, because at any given time in between that, you could have a change of heart. You could want to say, Hey, you said, five days it's taking six all my money back yeah and i just give it back to you no harm no foul i don't do anything with it until the the, the transaction's closed yeah and so, I, I feel like that's a really um a really good thing in business when people think like that i think the same exact ways that i i keep the money in paypal i don't transfer it to the bank account until everything's done everything's clear everybody's got their stuff sometimes i'll even wait like a week later make sure that there's no calls or anything like that any packages got lost um but yeah definitely i i could definitely agree with that uh yeah. I, I don't want to run out of time man i really want to focus on you uh doing your um your giving back to the community and so what makes what makes you feel like that's a, an important thing that you need to focus on like i said you know for me the representation again matters a lot and in montgomery you know, it's high crime, high murder rate. Like, it was ranked number 35 or 38 in the nation as being one of the most deadly cities. Oh, wow. And what it is, it's, you know, it's that age group. It's that gap of maybe 16 to 25-ish. And I said, you know, I've, I've built my brand. You know, I've done business. I make money. Um, I'm comfortable. I've established certain things. But it's got to be more than money. Yeah. You know, it's got to be more than money is just it comes and goes. So let me take some of my experiences and go see if I can help someone else benefit. Or if you can get into business and not go through some of the same, you know, troubles I had to get into business. Like I, said, I had to fund the business myself. Yeah. You know, 100 uh, percent. But if I can give you some ideas that I did to make if say you want to fund it yourself, if I can show you how to do it easier. Then let me go do that. Yeah. Or if they're in a welding class and tech class, and if I can go show them that, hey, there's more than just regular, you know, go weld on a bridge, union type jobs. Mm -hmm. You can start your own business, set your own rate and do your own thing. They may not know that. They probably don't know that. Yeah. So I can I can be, you know, I'm a walking example of you can do this if you really focus on it and want to do it. So, you know, I just want to share that with kids that are, easier to influence that may think that you know basketball or football is the only way out and it's not the only way out you can do really good things you what, know what's your demographic that you focus on is it that 18 to 25 or do you go younger younger i mean i i try to focus on like i had a group to come here they were probably 13 to 14 uh so middle school high school is where i try to focus on um uh, if i'm just talking about money then 18 to 25 like money management, like so when I worked in banking, I, I helped people budget their money to get them out of collections. I used to go to court a lot and sue people. Yeah. That was part of my job. And I got to a point that was one of the main things that made me get, get out of banking 
is because you're taking people and suing them really when they're at their lowest yeah, uh, on closed accounts. And I was like, that's really not me. You know, I can, if I can show you ways to get out of this, because you got to think most people graduate high school, they have no idea, you know, of taxing and, and bouncing checkbooks and managing money and, and getting jobs and stuff like that. So you leave at 18 and you get instantly into bad financial situations and banks capitalize on it. So, and that's not to knock a bank. That's just part of the business. But I, if I can help you with say a, a money management strategy, you know, to help you get out of the situation or to better budget your money, then I'd be happy to do it because it doesn't take long. I have a few different strategies that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I would tell someone at that age, you know, but younger than that, I just want to show them their ways out other than, you know, trapping or playing basketball or, or, or playing football. Now, do you have any experience, uh, either personally or with friends when you were growing up uh, of that lifestyle and where it leads to, so you can relate to them on that level? Dope boys. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I could oh, yeah. I, I could just I could just see it from a yeah. young from a young kid with testosterone flaring like you don't know where I come from. Yeah, you know, and the funny because people will have this perception of you, you know, and you may walk in and you don't look like you you have a you have a downstar shirt on. You don't look like the business owner because yeah. you're not wearing a, a three piece suit and a tie. You know, it's it's that perception that throws you off. Um. But yeah, I know plenty of people that have taken bad paths when they didn't have to. Um, and there, there's nothing you can do about it at this point other than take that example and give it to somebody younger and try to get them not to do the same thing. Yeah. Definitely, man. Is there something that you would want to do in the future to have like maybe like a – uh, some some sort of a center or something 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 more established or or is it that way now that you have a schedule where every week you go talk to people or would you want to have something that is uh i don't want to say a business but but just like a, a space your own space where people would actually come to you for that kind of mentorship I don't know. I thought about uh, if I had to do something like that, you know, coaching mm-hmm. as far as business to younger people. Yeah. Like fielding their ideas and helping them uh, get through loopholes and, and strategize. I would like to do that. Um, but as far as doing it full time, I just had never I never really thought about it that way because, like I said, I like what I do. Yeah. I enjoy the auto works. I just also enjoy trying to help other people. Like my wife has her own business. Mm-hmm. Uh and fielding her ideas, which you, if you take a female's ideas, their whole thought process is different. Yeah. From yours, they're more emotionally based. I'm very strategic, <laughs> facts, dollar based. So, you know, I try to help her with hers, and, which, and to see it take off and do as well as it's done is, you know, it's rewarding in its own right, even though, you know, you don't make anything from it, but you, you get to see somebody else see the success that can be had if you just take the time and put your energy into it and, and make it work. 
Now, was she always that uh, that type of person to maybe want to take that risk to be an entrepreneur, have her own business? No. How no, did you make that honest. realization happen? She, uh, our son, had eczema, mm-hmm. um, which is a, like a skin, like a rash thing as a child. And she would research and find ways to make creams for it. Mm-hmm. And it would work. And I was just like, you know, me, I, I look at everything as business. It doesn't matter. I walk into a store. I'm looking at transactions. I look at everything very business-like, you know, to a fault. And I was like, why don't you sell this? Yeah. And um, it took some persuasion, I think, because she doesn't see things that way. <laughs> so, but once it started snowballing, I mean, the idea started coming. She has a lot of ideas. She sells, you know, her own brand, starts distributing the stores. And it does well. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to see it. That's awesome, man. You know, my wife, she's into uh, makeup and like that that community. So sometimes I'll just sit down and watch these videos and I'm just putting it in through my head, like business wise. I'm like, dude, these girls, they're just getting this makeup or these brands or whatever. They're finding a supplier from it. Like it can't be that hard. Most of it is just marketing, you know? Right. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wish that uh, maybe one day she'll want to take the jump, not even into makeup, just something to, to be able to, to show her that, you know? Because it's she can see it from my side. She can see Downstar or whatever. But until it transitions into something that she's in, something that she put her creativity in and seen people purchase it, and that, that's like a different spark inside of you. Yeah, marketing is key. And like I said, it's, it's all perception and, and how it's packaged. And the funny thing I tell her about hers is she puts so much thought and it's packaged so well. That's not what I do. Yeah. You know, I got a bubble wrap put in the box and, you know, <laughs> pack, pack, it's, it's gone. But hers, is, it's it's a female thing. It's very presentable. Yeah. You know, and she puts a lot of thought into it. And, you know, and it it works out. So, you know, everybody does it a little bit, a little differently. Yeah. But she does uh, soaps, you know, sugar scrubs, oatmeal baths, a, a bunch of shit, you know. Sick. It's over my head because it's not my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but she makes it grow, and I like, I just like to see that. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Dude, this is such a good combo, bro. I, I'm, I'm kind of sad that we got to cut it short, but uh, yeah. It, it was great to sit down with you, man. Um, I, I really want to see you out at some of these events coming up because I, I think that people need more people need to know about the brand. I appreciate it. I got to get out, you know, and uh, I like, like I said, I like the face-to-face interaction with people. Yeah. Uh, same thing here. When I, I know when the phone rings and somebody wants to call and talk to you and, and they call looking, you know, to talk to me and you can hear the enthusiasm they have when <laughs> when it's you on the phone yeah i like to know that i've helped you solve whatever problem it is with figuring out you know how to turbo your car yeah and to do it in person is is just as rewarding so i gotta get back out to doing the shows um yeah just reschedule my days and i i think that there would be a lot of value in that that break away i i think that you could add a lot of value to the community as well because i've i've spoken to pretty much everybody in the community and uh i don't know much people that have the outlook that you do you know um the way that you look at things and the way that you've modeled your business and the way that you hold yourself and want to uplift others and, and the community that's that's like my personal goal you know um 
we we've definitely gone through a, a lot of growing pains and you know trying to figure out the path that that we want to go down in and for the last year or so i've been trying to head down that path you know the more positive route and the more you know giving out uh whatever gems i've received handing them out to people and hopefully they do something with it and dude the reward that i've gotten over the year as opposed to the last nine years has has been ridiculous man and i think that right. if if you were to come out more and do more interactions face to face like it would it would improve a lot of people's not only their car but you know their their mentality as well we need more people like you in the community yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make it happen, you know. And you know, before I, I got a shout out to everybody that does their own thing. You know, I don't have pro, you know issues with anybody in the business. And you can, like nobody in the in the industry that I know of has an issue with me. I never heard uh, it. But I like to. I like to see. Like I, you know, you follow people on, on social media. I see everybody doing their thing, and I think you know that's cool. You know, I love to see some of the people drop their ego. Yeah, uh, that would be great. But, you know, because I, I don't feel like I really have one. I talk to anybody, yeah. you know, to help anybody out. And I, I know there are plenty that, that won't do that, you know, like they're, yeah. you know, on the high horse. You got to get off the high horse and, and realize, you know, that horse that could be tall all the time. Yeah. I know just me from personal experiences that uh, the ego came from a place of insecurity. And now that I, I realize that it's it's so apparent to see and it makes me want to reach out to some people in in a different light, not not in a more of a negative kind of way, but more in, in an understanding way. You know, like we're we're all creative kind of people, and we want to see what what we're building, and we want to show it off. But a lot of the reasoning behind that is because that we've never got that love before. We never had people telling us, "Oh, you're doing good, you're doing good." And once you start getting it, it's it's kind of a hard thing to manage, you know, but right. what I always try to tell you people, keep it secret to you, keep it close to you. Exactly. What, what I tell people is that I've been in this industry for 10 years now, you even longer. And I, I know that you could test that you'll see the same people, uh, on the way up as you do going down. It's right. this community, everything, it just business is always up and downs, up and downs. And when you're at that high, the people that you treat well are going to treat you well when you're at that low. And when you're at that high and you don't treat anybody well, when you get to that low, people are definitely going to remind you of it. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. I, right. Would, I would definitely love to see you at some of these events, man. Like I said, uh, H day would be awesome to get you out there. Uh, if you could make it out to Ibach, tell you Ibach here in California, the one in April, it's the, it's the staple event of California. This is the biggest Honda event that we do have out here. And it would be awesome to see you out here last year. Uh, Mugen was out here. Spoon was out here. So many big brands along with so many up and coming brands. And it's just, it's just such a good melting pot for the community out here. I got you. I'm going to try to make that happen. Let me know the date and yeah. I'll try to make it happen. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, and the podcast too, bro. I, I think that you can bring a lot of value, not just to car enthusiasts, but just to uh, other people that are struggling in life and just trying to figure out their place in and trying to figure things out. If I can help them, man, you know, that's, it's, it's just something I want to do. You know, everybody that, you know, has done something for so long, they always want to branch off to do something else. Yeah. And that's just something that just interests me. So, yeah, uh, I'll get with you on that. 
Yeah, whatever you uh, need, man. We're always here to help out. I appreciate it. Yeah, so before we get out of here, um, say somebody's listening right now and they want to inquire about a turbo kit, uh, what would be the best step for them to, to make that happen? Uh, you can always email me at goautoworks at hotmail.com, one word. Uh, you can call uh, 334-277-8030. Uh, Facebook is, you know, Go Auto Works Performance and Fabrication. Instagram is at Go Auto Works, one word, G-O-A-U-T-O-W-O-R-K-S. Uh, I'm super easy to get in touch with, easy to talk to. So if you got questions, hit me up. I'll help you. I can walk you through to set up the best application to fit your knee. You know, if you want a drag car, if you want a street car, road race car, I can tailor it to make it what you want to make it. So awesome. just, um, I do the feeling, uh, all kind of accessories to go with it. But my main thing is building the right turbo kit for you to meet the need that you want to have. Sick, man. Greg, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, man. This is an awesome convo. Yeah, I appreciate it, Frank. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Hopefully one of these days in person, maybe if you come out here to California, for Ibach, me come by the studio. I'll do it. For sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. So, guys, make sure you check out Greg. We'll have the uh, Instagram and everything below in the description. And uh, make sure you show him some love, man. Go follow him on Instagram. Check out the stuff because he really puts out great work, and he's been doing it ever since I've been in the community. And I commend you for that, man, because I know it's it's really hard to stick around for 10 years. You know, I, I couldn't imagine doing it since 02, you know. It's a grind. Right. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Of course, man. But, uh, guys, thank you for listening. Once again, Downtime with Downstar, episode 123, and we out. Peace.